Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Um, let's do a quick survey. When you hear of the word prophet, what comes to your mind? Quickly. Let's do a quick survey. When you hear of the word prophet, what comes to your mind? Yeah? Ministers. Okay. Seer. Okay. Yeah? Who's talking? I can't hear you. Oh, okay. Someone that prophesies. Alright. Who else? When you hear of the word prophet, what comes to your mind? Who? Religious seer. Not just... <laughs> what? Vision seer. Oh, okay. Vision seer. Okay. Mouthpiece of God. Alright. Choosing by God. Okay. Yeah? Oracle of God. <laughs> okay, beautiful. Beautiful. Alright? Those of you here, you have never heard of the word prophet, I'm assuming, right? Okay, so let's attempt. Prophet, what comes to your mind? What just comes to your mind quickly? M- miracle? Miracle? Okay, miracle performer. Okay, beautiful. Who else? <laughs> Someone that has plenty beers. Edja. You need, to, you need to kneel down and raise your hand and close your eyes. <laughs> Alright, so we don't keep a lot of bears in this church. We are soldiers. Okay. Alright. Okay. Someone that sees sees the road. Okay. Beautiful. Someone that sees what? That sees the future. Okay. What else? What else comes to your mind? Now, it's important because I realize that many times, unconsciously, we're not taught these things. So, over the years, uh, it keeps developing. All right. Okay. So, you, you are going to compare this um, at the end of the three parts and see where, what is right. All right. Are you ready? So, this is a theological study. So, you know how it is. You're going to read a lot of Bible verses. And we're just going to allow the scripture speak for itself, all right? Now, it's important. Uh, I will read a lot from my notes, you know? And I, I will read a lot from my notes because I want to stay with my notes. Let's pray. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together, our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding, signs, wonders, and miracles will take place at the teaching of your word. In Jesus' mighty name. Can I get a good amen? Amen. Alright, so we're going to study the subject of prophets and prophecies because on Sunday we're also dealing with dreams, visions, and trances. Now, it's important many times, now pay attention to this, many times when subjects like these are being taught, one of the things you hear about people is, well, this is for Bible school students. It's for Bible school. It's not just for church. Now, The truth of the matter is that if churches were doing their jobs, there would not be a need for a Bible school. Alright? So, Bible school is not just designed so that if you want to become a pastor, then you go to Bible school. No, the average believer should be so grounded in the Word and know the Word. 
Now, we're looking at the office of a prophet and prophecy because they are, they are two different things. They are two different things. Now, we're going to look at it from the scriptures, the Old Testament. I'm going to deal with the Old Testament prophet today and then we'll look at New Testament prophet next Wednesday and then we'll look at the gift of prophecy uh, the other Wednesday. Now, let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 17 to 18, which is almost like our foundation scripture when we're also talking about dreams. So come with me, Acts chapter 2. I need someone who is pretty quick on the system to handle the projection today for me because I have a lot of scriptures to go through. Acts chapter 2 and verse 17. Acts chapter 2 and verse 17. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, Acts 2, 17, pay attention here. It says, And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall do Shall what? Follow me now. Your sons and your daughters shall do what? Prophesy. Pay attention. If he says, I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, it means that prophesying was not meant for a few people. Right? It means that our sons and our daughters should be able to prophesy. One of the signs of the last days, which is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, is the commonality of the ability to prophesy within the local church. Which would mean that our sons and our daughters would be able to prophesy. So this, first of all, tells us that prophesying was not a unique thing that was left for only the fivefold ministry, neither was it so special that the average son and daughter of God will not be able to prophesy. If we remove the mysticism from the prophetic, we will be able to understand it. Are you still here? Alright. Okay. So it says, And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. So it puts, it, it puts prophesying visions and dreams as out, outputs of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit is poured forth, which was in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it means three things we must look out for based on the outpouring of the Holy Spirit will be what? Will be what? Prophesying. What's the next thing? Dreams. Sorry. Visions and what? Dreams. Okay. Pause. Are dreams common from what we taught on Wednesday? Should dreams be common? Who said no? Were you in church? Can't say no. Should dreams be common from what we thought on Wednesday? Yes. Should visions be common Sorry, on Sunday? Should visions be common from what we thought on, on, on Sunday? Should prophecy be common based on what we've, we've just read? Okay. Now remember, I've always told you, you cannot form doctrine from one Testament. So, so whatever we see in the New Testament, we have to correspond it in the Old Testament. Come with me to Numbers chapter 11, verse 29. Numbers 11, 29. Numbers 11, 29. 11, 29. Numbers 11, 29. Remember when God took out uh, the spirit of Moses and put it on the 70 elders. Then some people prophesied, verse 27, So a young man ran and told Moses and said, Eldad and Meldad are prophesying in the camp. 
Then Joshua the son of Nun, the attendant of Moses, of the servant of Moses from his youth, said, Moses, my Lord, restrain them. So um, Moses complained and said, hey, this work is so much for me. God says, take 70 elders. I'm going to take out of your spirit and put upon them. Okay? I'm going to take out of your spirit and put upon them. And um, two guys didn't show up. You know, there are, there, there are always people in church who won't listen to all the instructions. They always have excuse why they should not be where they said everybody should be. The two guys were in the camp. But when the spirit came, they were prophesying. So Joshua went to meet Moses and said, Hey, these guys are prophesying, but they didn't come for the meeting. Um, let's stop them. Let's restrain them. Look at what Moses said. Look at Moses' reply in verse 29. But Moses said, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord will put his spirit upon them. Now, if you read it like this, some, I mean, it's straightforward, but the English would, would make you feel, well, I don't know, but it, it, it should be, I would, that all the Lord's people were prophets. Let's read the NIV version. NIV version. Fine. But Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Now, Moses used the word prophets, but you remember, if you go a few verses before this one, it says they were prophesying. That Moses says, listen, my desire is, is that all of God's people should be prophets, and that God would pour his spirit upon them. Now, if you compare Numbers 11:29 to Acts that we read, you would now, you would now understand why Joel says when the spirit is poured out, sons and daughters will be able to prophesy. Did you follow that? Alright. So we see Moses' desire. Praise God. We see Moses' desire. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. Go to 1 Thessalonians 5, 19. Thank you, Lord. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19. So he says... Let's read from verse 16. I like the very short verses. First Thessalonians 5, 16. Rejoice always. You know, all of you that used to look for memory verse. <laughs> These are some very cool memory verse. You know, I remember one time, there's a memory verse, and, you, and Jesus wept. It's the easiest one to, to give to. <laughs> Rejoice always. 17. Pray without season. 18. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What's God's will for us? Thanksgiving. Praise God. Somebody say Thanksgiving. It's God's will for me. Alright. Verse 19. Do not quench the spirit. Number 20. Verse 20. Do not despise what? Prophetic utterances. Don't despise them. Don't look down on them. But some of us just say do not despise prophesying. But then this is the balance. Verse 21. But. But do what? Examine what? everything carefully and hold fast to only what? Which is good. Which means that some prophetic utterances are not good. So, I don't despise prophecy. I don't despise prophetic utterance. But what's my responsibility? How do I respond to prophetic utterances? I do what? I examine. So, I am not believing a prophecy because of who said it. I am believing a prophecy because I've examined it. 
Are we together? Are we together? So that means prophetic utterances can be examined. We have Bible legal ground to examine prophetic utterances. Do we agree? Because one of the things that causes confusion in the prophetic feels like if I just say something, then you just swallow it. But the scripture says no. First of all, you test our spirits. You examine what's happening. You examine the prophetic words. I remember some, some times ago, someone gave me a prophetic word and, and I looked at it. It didn't bear witness in my spirit. Usually I send it to my friend, uh, Apostle Brandon. She said, this is a word somebody gave. What do you think about it? Looked at it. Uh, I don't think this is from God. I'll just throw it away. Just throw it away. Why? <laughs> doesn't bear witness. We've examined it. doesn't pass the prophetic test. Are you following this? So, uh, it doesn't mean that when every word is given, you have to receive it. Um, some people who have traveled me a few times, and uh, I've given people prophetic words, and I say publicly from the pulpit, if I give you this word and it doesn't bear witness with your spirit, well, just, just let it go. There's no pressure on trying to make people accept the prophetic word. It can be examined. And I make it very convenient for people not to feel under any pressure. When I speak a word over people, I'll say, well, pray about it, take a look at it. If it doesn't mean anything to you, just trash it. There's nothing there. And many times, many times, many times, they confirm it. Many times they confirm it. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you still here? Alright. Okay. Now, let's, so we want to study this concept of the word prophet, and then we'll look at prophecy. So because of the way prophet is commonly used, there is a misconception in the life of people that its basic definition is someone who foretells the future. But this definition is very narrow, and too narrow, uh, in terms of the way the scripture describes it. Like, you know, what someone is saying, somebody who sees the road, or somebody who can tell tomorrow, whatever it is. The first person in the Bible to be called a prophet was Abraham. The first person. Please pay very close attention. Genesis chapter 20. And that's important. Because in Bible interpretation, there's what is called the law of first mention. The first time that word was mentioned, how was it used? What was the context? So the very first person that was called a prophet... Um, was Genesis chapter 20 was Abraham Genesis chapter 20 and verse 6 to 7 come with me there then God said to him in a dream you remember when Abimelech took the wife of Abraham right are you here okay now Abimelech wanted to sleep with the woman and God restrained him uh, verse 6 then God said to him in a dream so how did God speak to Abimelech again in a dream Next Sunday, I'm going to speak to you about the fact that it's not only people who know God that God speaks to in dreams. You know, some people who didn't know God, God speaks to them in dreams. All right. So God said to him in a dream, Yes, I know that in the integrity of your heart, you have done this. And I also kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. This is one scripture that helped me very early, you know, in my Christian work. God can keep you from sinning. He that is able to keep you from stumbling. Alright? That's grace at work there. It says, I kept you. Now therefore restore the man's wife, for he is a what? Prophet. So the first man that was called a prophet in the Bible was Abraham. 
and he will pray for you and you will leave. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. Now, simple question. Was there any time Abraham prophesied the way we understand prophets to be today? Interesting. So is it like God did not really know like God was not so sure. He just tried, he just tried to use a big name for Abraham so that um, the man would be afraid. Does this also tell us that probably we understand prophets a bit differently from the way, from the way God actually... Come on now. How many of you today would actually think that Abraham fits a prophet? Maybe... Edger's qualification, he might have had a beard. Outside of that. So, why, let me give you this, we'll come back to it, but why did God call Abraham a prophet? Because Abraham had his divine counsel of what he was going to do with the nation of Israel. He knew the purposes and the plans of God 430 years ahead of time. The plans of God, the divine counsel of God. So, the first man to be called a prophet Abraham. Now, the English word prophet comes from the Greek word prophetes. Now, prophetes, P-O-R-O-P-H-E-T-E-S, it's a transliteration. That means it's, it's, it's a word, it's two words. Now, this is very important. It's two words translated to make up one word. So, in the Greek version, in the Greek word, the word prophets, right, prophetes, P-R-O-O, P-H-E-T-E-S. The word pro in that spelling. Can you type that for me uh, quickly, guys? P-R-O P-H-E-T-E-S. Now, separate it. Separate P-R-O and then put a hyphen. Then P-H-E-T-E-S. Now, I want to show you something which is very important, especially when you look at the Greek word. So, if you have that spelling there, you would see that the word pro, P-R-O, uh, means before. Right? Before. For instance, when you say provision, before the vision. Alright? Exactly. So, in the Greek, take a look at this. In the Greek, there's no hyphen. It's one word. I just separated it because of what I want to explain. So, that word P-R-O, this is the Greek rendering of the word prophet in the, in the English. So it's taken from this. This P-R-O means before. Alright? Before. And P-H-E-T-E-S in the Greek means speaker. Speaker. Okay? So, it actually means the one who speaks before. The one who speaks before. The, the pro part of the prophet can mean either beforehand or in front of. Two things. It's very important. The pro part there in the word prophet can mean beforehand or in front of. Now, two, two words there are, are big words, beforehand and in front of. Now, when you say beforehand, that is the foretelling aspect of the prophet. That means speaking about the vision, the, vision, the future, sorry. Right? Now, if you talk about in front of that is actually what you mentioned a mouthpiece of God representing God 
So there are two things you find in the office of the prophet. There is a foretelling part of it and there is a representation part of it. Now you must pay close attention. You must pay close attention. Because the, 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 the word prophetess means the one who declares the mind or the message of God and sometimes predicts the future. Now, this is, this is it. He declares the mind. I think that's the word you use, right, Mark? The mouthpiece of God. So, he declares, pay attention, the mind of God. And in declaring the mind of God, sometimes talks about the future. You see, but this is the challenge. In our modern day, we are taking the talking about the future as the, what is it now? The major part of the prophetic ministry, which is not actually. The major part of the prophetic ministry is the one who stands before God and represents the divine counsel of God. That divine counsel doesn't have to be futuristic. Okay? Are we here? Alright. So, prophetess declares the mind, the message of God, which sometimes predict the future, foretelling, and more commonly, more commonly, speaks forth his message for a particular situation. Speaks forth God's message in a particular situation. So, the context, the scriptural context of the prophet is that he declares the mind of God and represents God and in the, in the process of representing God can talk about the future but that's not his main goal. Alright. Now, let me pause here. Let me give you a bit of biblical background. You'll understand this. God chose Israel to be a nation of priests and kings unto him, a divine nation. The same way he chose us in the book of Revelation, that will be kings and priests. Now pay attention here. Israel did not have a democratic government. Israel, in fact, did not have a, uh, what's it called now? Government of kings, what's that called? Monarchy. They didn't have a monarch system of government. In fact, monarchy was came into Israel because the people looked at other nations. So, uh, the fact that Israel had kings were, was out of rebellion. Actually, God was the one who wanted to lead Israel. So, you see, you see Isaiah said, the Lord is your lawmaker, your lawgiver. The Lord is your king and the Lord is your judge. In the book of Isaiah, that's what the prophet Isaiah said. Those are the three arms of government. The legislative, the executive, and the judiciary. He says, the Lord is your lawgiver, judiciary. The Lord is your king, you know, executive. And the Lord is your judge. Right? So God wanted to, but because they requested for a king, God now broke, pay attention, the governance of Israel into threefold. Number one, they had a king. They had a prophet. And then they had a priest. So, in the governance of Israel, you had the king, the prophet, and the priest. Sometimes, the prophet doubled as the priest. Very few times will you see the king function in both roles. One of the persons who did that a few times was David. But the prophet was now... Now, so you, re, you remember, they asked for a king. So uh, Saul was made a king. The people asked for the king. So God gave them Saul. Now, Samuel became a prophet. Right? 
from Eli when you know and all of that became a prophet and also Nathan so within the reigns of Saul and David you have Samuel the prophet and Nathan the prophet and what was their role their role was to warn Israel warn the king and guard against Israel going out of the ways of the Lord. So when Israel went out of the ways of the Lord, we'll talk about the function of the Old Testament prophets, when Israel went out of the ways of the Lord, the Lord called them back by the ministry of the prophets to his ways. So they were not going to the synagogue every day and then someone would say, I see, I see, I'm seeing, hey, hey, they have killed this one. No, no, someone wasn't doing that. It's important to understand that even in the Old Testament, we don't have the abuse of the prophetic office like we have it even today. Even in the Old Testament, the prophet was God's man who spoke the mind of God. To the extent that when the prophet came to your house, you were scared. Remember when Samuel wanted to go and, and on Jesse, and Jesse, did you come? Did you come in peace? Because the prophet did not move anyhow. When the prophet came, they knew God had a message. And most times, it was not a good one. Are you following this now? Remember when David slept with, uh, killed Uriah and slept with the wife, and the prophet came. You know, the prophet did not just come and say, David, you think what you have done, you think what you have done, we did not see. Where did you sleep last night? No, no. You see, one, <laughs> one of the signs of a man who walks with God is wisdom. The administration of the prophetic must come with maturity. It came in form of a parable. He says, a man had this, a man had this, and they will just they say, who is that man? Who is that man? He says, you're the man. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you hearing this? You know, one of the signs that I personally look for to respect the prophet of God is how maturely he handles the gifts. How maturely. There are certain prophetic utterances that are public today that I know from scriptures and from experience that if those people actually hear God, God will not allow them to say those things over the microphone. And I'll tell you how familiar spirits can pick up your information. Right? Yeah, I just want to teach some of these things because, you know, sometimes when we make certain statements from the pulpit, it looks like you're critical and you're, you, it's because you're a teacher. So, I mean, I just want to teach the word of God. Because, let me tell you, if you go and meet a herbalist today, he can give you all your information. Because they are familiar spirits. It's like when Saul went to the winch of Endor and he got information from them. So, accuracy of information does not mean it's authentic. Another New Testament example would be that demon-possessed girl who said to Paul, these men are servants of God, please hear them. And Paul looked back and rebuked him because he was using the spirit of divination. Which means that the spirit of divination can read your fact file. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay, so let's continue and see where we go. Most people think of a prophet as someone who only tells what's going to happen in the future, but that's not the case. Just as pro in Greek has two meanings, a prophet also spoke in two ways. Number one, speaking about events that would happen in the future and speaking in front of the people. An old definition of prophet is that of a foreteller, foreteller, or foreteller. Foreteller, F-O-R-E, teller, or foreteller, F-O-R-T-H, 
F-O-R-T-H, forth teller, means to speak a message forth or out to a people. The main job of a prophet was to preach God's message, to foretell and not foretell. Alright? So if you read the prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Micah, Jonah, and all others, you will see that they were mainly preaching. They were mainly speaking the divine counsel of God. Let's take the prophet Jonah for instance. When God sent him to Nineveh, he sent him with a word, with a word of the Lord, with a divine counsel of the Lord. Alright? With the divine counsel of the Lord. Now, their preaching may or may not include foretelling future events. Their main emphasis is speaking the message that God wants them to tell the people. So, the prophet is better defined as one who speaks for another. The one who speaks, or like the very good word he used, the mouthpiece of another. And I'm going to give you scriptures for that. The mouthpiece of another. Now, I've defined prophet in the Greek. Now, you know, the New Testament was written in Greek. So, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. Let me define it in Hebrew. In Hebrew, the word prophet uh, is three words, three Hebrew words. The first word is nabi, N-A-B-I, nabi. The word nabi means to bubble forth. To bubble forth. Alright? To bubble forth as from a fountain. More like um, when you watch all, not watch, when you see all those fountains in some hotels, some very nice ones, right? You see the water bubbling. It's not all those hotels you go that they don't have, they don't have pumping machine. And then the fountain is dripping. That's not a fountain. That one is a tired fountain. Right? A real proper fountain. What happens to the water? It's like the water is coming forth. That's what it means. That's Nabil. It means to bubble forth, to come forth. That's the first word. The other word used for the prophet, let's go to Psalm 45 verse 1. Let me have that quickly. Put it up for me. Psalm 45 verse 1. Let me show you something there. Alright. Psalm 45 verse 1. Okay. My heart overflows. Did you see that word there? My heart does work. Overflows. Everybody say overflow. Yeah, that's what it means. My heart bubbles with a good thing. With a good thing. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. My heart overflows. That's the, that's the word used there. Nabi. My heart, it's like a bubbling forth. It's coming forth from the inside. That's the first word there. To utter. Right? Then the other word used for the, the word prophet, the Hebrew word, three Hebrew words were used, is roi. Roi is R-O-E-H. It was used, first of all, for Samuel. R-O-E-H. It means seer. Seer. 1 Samuel 9.9. 1 Samuel 9.9. Let me have that, please. 1 Samuel 9 and verse 9. Alright? Nabi means to bubble forth. And then Roy, it's a seer. Alright? Formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he used to say, come and let us go to the seer. Everybody say the seer. The seer, right, that's right. For he who is called a prophet now was formerly called what? A seer. So there was the Nabi, which speaks of bubbling forth, then the seeing dimension. The third one word used in Hebrew is Hose. H-O-Z-E-H. It also means seer. So three words were used in Hebrew, in Hebrew language, for the office of the prophet. The Nabi, the one that bubbles forth. Uh, Roe, which means seer, used in First Samuel chapter nine, verse nine, and then Jose, which means seer. Now, one verse of the scripture captures these three. There was a particular verse of the scripture where these three words were used. 
Second Samuel 24, verse 11. No, 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 no. No. Second Samuel 24, 11, Jose was used. Second Samuel 24, verse 11. Okay. When David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet God, David's seer. Did you see this? So God was whose seer? David. So because God put God there to uh, caution David. Now, l- let, me, let, me, let me say this because sometimes because of the way things are, we hear different things when we preach. This is not to say everybody must have a prophet. Because I've also seen people take this scripture to say every family must have a prophet. So I've ever said, is my family prophet? Both you and your... Uh, both you... <laughs> let me not say that. Second Samuel 24, 11. The reason is the, the, the system of governance. So every king had to have a prophet to call him back to order. Are you following that? So that's why he was the personal prophet of David. Because if he was the prophet of David, he was now also indirectly the prophet of the nation. That's why you realize that the kings refer to the prophet as fathers. It wasn't the prophet going to the king's palace to seek for contracts. Or to pray for the king to... <laughs> not to, No. Let's go on. Second Samuel 20... Um, sorry. First Chronicles 29, 29. First Chronicles 29, 29. First Chronicles 29, 29. You know, one of the things that we need to rediscover in this age and time is the sacredness of the ministerial office. Hallelujah. Whether it's the office of a teacher, whether it's the office of a pastor, we need to, we need to bring it into proper context. Amen. Bring it into proper context. For instance, I've heard people say, well, I'm a pastor. My own is not to teach. My own is to, to declare. What, what does that mean? What does that mean? What kind of joke is that? The scriptures clearly says, if you have a Bible, I will give you shepherds after my own heart. What are the two things they're going to do? They're going to feed you with knowledge and understanding. God never sends you to declare anything. Because you're not reading the Bible also. The greatest, the greatest need of the child of God is proper biblical education. If you know God, some declarations will not mean anything to you. You will know how to walk your way. Are you following what I'm saying? I'm not saying there's no place for that, but you can't say you're a pastor of a local church and you cannot teach. I've heard people say, these are not the days of doctrine, these are the days of power. Who who says that? It's a careless statement. It's a careless, very careless statement. Very, very careless statement. Because if people are doctrinally taught, you you will not need to use power. They will know how to walk in health. They will know how to walk in victory. They will know how to walk in financial freedom. Are you following what I'm saying? What did Jesus tell Peter? If you love me, what did he say you should do to the sheep? Feed them. Three times. He told Peter. Jesus saw the, the Israel moving about as sheep without shepherd. What was the next action? He opened up his mouth and he taught them saying. Praise God. Now, are you there? First Chronicles 29, 29, it says, this is one verse where the three words were used. Now, 
The Acts of King David from the first to the last are written in the Chronicles of Samuel. The seer. Okay? The seer. That word is Roe. In the Chronicles of Nathan, the prophet, Nabi. And in the Chronicles of God, the seer, Hosea. This one verse captured the three Hebrew words. And all these three people were prophets who served in the reign of King David. Hallelujah. Are you here? (laughs) Thank you, Lord. (laughs) There is another word used. Just follow, okay? There's another word used in the Hebrew called kosem. K-O-S-E-M. It's the word used for divination. It was used for false prophets. The one person it was used for also you can find in the scripture is Balaam. Right? In uh, Joshua 13.22. Let's check that quickly. Joshua 13.22. This was the one that was used for it says, the sons of Israel also killed Balaam, the son of Boah, the diviner, Kozem, with the sword among the rest of their slain. And I would explain something to you about Balaam. I would explain something to you about Balaam. That's why you have to be very careful in the prophetic office. Because the Bible talks about those who go after the wages of Balaam. He calls them the madness of the prophets. The guy was so accurate, but they had promised him, he says, because he loved the wages of unrighteousness. So the king had promised and said, come and curse these people and I will. So he asked the Lord, should I go? The Lord says, don't go. Then he asked the Lord again, should I go? He says, don't go. He asked the Lord the third time, should I just go? You see, you can, you can, you can, you can pray some things into your life that God does not really want because you are persistent. That's why a Christian has to be careful. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You can pray, you can, you <laughs> Those of you who like to storm the gate of heaven, you can come with this mentality and God will say, what do you want? And give it to you. The, the Bible says in the book of Numbers, it calls it the cravings of their flesh. They needed meat. What God provided for them, was it not enough? They wanted, you see, one of the things, let me, let me go out of my subject a little bit. One of the things that will make you in this life to walk with God peacefully, trust his plan for your life. Trust, just trust God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Just learn to say, God, whatever you plan for me, it, uh, it's, I'm okay with it. I believe this is a word of knowledge for someone. Stop drawing extra plans. You, you actually think if God leads you to your life, you can, you can govern your life? <laughs> because you have read, <laughs> you have read Brain Tracy and Anthony Robbins and Brandy Strategy and Miloni. You know, after you have read those many books, you just feel like, God, you are delaying my plan. If we do this and this and this and this. No. Learn to trust God. Learn to trust God. Hallelujah. And so he cursed Israel. And he was killed. The guy was a very sharp prophet. So why did I bring that into the prophetic teaching? A man can start out very accurately. And the sharpness of his prophetic might make him to love the wages of unrighteousness. And he will start prophesying even when God is not giving him a word. It takes restraint. There are a few times I've given prophetic words that were out, were not, you know, completely accurate. One was actually not very accurate. But I remember that meeting. I was still younger then. I mean, the words of knowledge was very, that's one 
gift that I have, just knowing things. And what if knowledge was flowing very strong, flowing very strong. And I was prophesying over almost everybody in the meeting. But I remember at one particular point where it's almost like the anointing lifted. You know, I just felt, yeah, it was okay. And that's why for those that have been in certain meetings, you can see me prophesy over a couple of people, speak word over a couple of people, and I just end the meeting. You know, it was maturity. You know, but that time, I mean, words were accurate, people were falling. You enjoyed that. You don't know what it does to you. You are like, I'm the guy. (laughs) You know, and I kept on. But one of, I think one of the things that helped me was that I always spoke to people and asked them if what I was saying was true. So I spoke, after that moment, spoke to the next guy. I got that off. Spoke to the second guy. I got that off. I knew that he was, this was an expressway to error. So I just pulled back. But I could, I could tell at the time where it was like, hey, it's okay. You know? But you know, at that point, if I'm not humble enough, I can force those people to accept the prophetic word. I think a lot of public prophetic words people are forced to accept because they don't want to embarrass the preacher. <laughs> I remember that very clearly because I was... I was talking to the guy about being a mechanic and the guy was not a mechanic. I could have found somebody around him who was a mechanic. Say, what about your grandfather? Say, yes, your grandfather was not very clear. It's a lie. You missed it. You must admit that you're human. You're not going to get everything right 100%. Your flesh might intervene, interfere with what God is bringing. If you take a wit, and I always tell ministers that I train, if you are not receiving the glory, don't also receive the shame. If you miss it, humble yourself, keep going on. But when you try to protect your reputation, you're going to start abusing the people of God because you don't want them to feel like you're human. Alright? And we find that in the scriptures. When I teach on the humanity of the prophet, I mean, um, Elisha said, God, you hid this from me. Right? When the woman came and said, my child is dead. He said, you hid it from me. That means he didn't know everything. And that guy was accurate, man, I'm telling you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why you have to examine things. If there are things you will even feel in your spirit, you feel it's God talking to you, examine them. Are you following this now? All right, let's go on. So prophets in the Old Testament largely advised the kings, delivering the words of warning, divine guidance, and encouragement. Nathan, well-known rebuke of David for his adulterous relationship with Bathsheba and his complicity in the death of her husband is a case point. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1 to 14. In the 8th century B.C., the focus of the prophet's message turned more to the people at large. So they were not, they were not so much for focusing on the kings, but the people. It would be a mistake to think of prophets in the Old Testament as only predicting the future. It's a huge mistake. Their primary role was to make known the holiness of God, the covenant obligations, to denounce injustice, idolatry, and empty ritualism, and to call God's covenant people to, of Israel to repentance and to faithfulness. The primary purpose of the old, the prophets in the Old Testament was to uphold the moral obligation of the church, the people of God. They didn't have prophets running around. Uh, you remember when Naaman came to meet the prophet of God and he said, go tell him this to do. You know, and, and Naaman said, oh, I had better waters and all of that. It's just pride. If you had better waters, why didn't you dip there and you still have leprosy? You know, people just can be full of pride. But you know, if it were today and an army general came to see the prophet, what, what's going to happen? Oh man, you'll see pictures all over, all over social media. Army general visits prophet. Prophet heal army general. Prophet, we, we, 
we try to take our sense of importance from earthly people who are important. And that's why you find out that it's rare to find prophets today who are fathering nations and fathering people and rebuking kings. And we always mess ourselves up as a body of Christ when it comes to election period. We just mess ourselves up many times. Are you hearing this? The Lord has never spoken to me concerning any election. I've never prayed about who to win. Probably because of a bit of my understanding of political science. You know, and before this current election, I said a few things. Right? And I said, hey, I said this, this will happen. I said, why? You know, this is... Nigerian has its own political... Uh, its own political structure. He said, Yes! But God said, okay. And somebody say, a man of God, what are you saying? I'm just saying that there's politics. And that's how they play it in Nigeria. Should we pray? Why not? We have to pray. That's why we need to pray. Because it's played in a certain way. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So did God lie? I don't know. He didn't talk to me. He, you said he talked to you. I should ask you. Can God not say who will be king? God can say anything. But did he tell you that? Or that's what you want to hear? And I will show you from the scripture. The Bible says you hear from your prophets what you have told them to tell you. That's why if you are going to meetings, have a righteous expectation. If you're meeting, something is wrong with me. The man of God will see it. Something is wrong with me. They will see it. <laughs> I, I, I was in a meeting. I was preaching in a meeting. I'd finished preaching. There was a lady. There was a lady right at the back. I, I was done. I was going down. I, I, I don't know where I was having that meeting. And the Lord spoke to me that this lady will not be satisfied that this meeting was successful because she's waiting for you to speak over her life. So I just told the pastor. I, I came back. So I said, well... Lady, you, you feel this meeting was not a big meeting because you had come with an expectation that I would prophesy over your life. I said, well, the Lord told me this is what you have in your heart. He didn't give me a prophetic word, but what the Lord told me is that you want me to prophesy. But he has not said anything to me. So what I said, is it correct? He said, yes. I said, okay, so since that one is correct, know that the meeting was successful. Because God didn't tell me anything. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, so what I'm trying to say is you can build, it's good to go to a meeting expectant, but you can also use your expectation to create prophetic words in the spirit that the man of God can pick and speak over you, which are not the word of God. That's why you see people who are in a hurry to get into ministry, everywhere they go, they start prophesying to them. I see a Bible in your hand. I see a Bible. I see you doing like this. I see you doing like this. The guy has carried that atmosphere around him that everywhere he goes, what would people see? Bible. <laughs> Let's go on. Of the Old Testament prophets, there were 16 whose prophecies form part of the inspired canon. The inspired canon is the Bible. These are divided into four groups. Just listen to this. You don't need to write this. It's quite extensive. There's what you call the prophets of the northern kingdom when Israel was divided, which was Uzziah, Amos, Joel, and Jonah. Then there were the prophets of Judah, 
which is Jeremiah, Obadiah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, and Zephaniah. Alright? You know, when you hear some of these names, some of you have forgotten that these names are in the Bible. Alright? <laughs> then the prophets of captivity. Why they were called the prophets of captivity was these were prophets that were prophesying to Israel during the period of captivity. Ezekiel and Daniel. Right? Remember, Daniel was um, taken to Babylon. Yeah. Then the prophets of restoration. What are the prophets of restoration when they were coming back from captivity? So you realize that God gave them prophets based on their seasons. And if you read those books, they are books that are talking about the season of Israel. That's why when you go and read, take prayer points from, from, from Ezekiel, they are dangerous prayer because the children of Israel were in captivity. Especially when you pick prayer points from when Israel is rebellious. I will break your neck. Your children will... You know, it was God's anger against them breaking the covenant. So you must understand that certain prayers and certain warnings in the scripture was in the context of Israel's behavior at that time. Now, this is something... Let me say this very quickly. There is no prophetic word that was so harsh to the children of Israel that there was no redemption. At the end of everything, God will say, but if you turn, I will do this to you. There's no prophetic word where God just leaves that and says, window has closed. You people, Romans, you will die. This one, no forgiveness. It's not God. See, that's why you discover that every prophetic word that comes with a warning, there will be a window of restoration. Right? Right? And that's important. And that's also important to... <laughs> I remember one time, we were having this meeting where we belonged to a group and um, people said, you know, we just prayed. Let's see what God is telling to us so that we can, you know, name this generation. And, and boy, <laughs> pastor is laughing. She knows the story. And boy, one of these dear, precious saints of God came and she released one of those captivity scriptures. Boy. <laughs> it was terrible. It was terrible. You know, but thank God we didn't name the generation after that. You must learn to judge prophetic words. You must learn it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I've learned to judge prophetic words. I was saying something the other day. I was talking to a younger minister who was looking up to me for counsel. I said, when I was, when I was growing up, I used to watch Ben Heen a lot, uh, Orlando Christian Center. He was then pastor of Orlando Christian Center. You know, Benin used to wear white, fill up stadiums. Every night when I was dreaming, and I'll talk about it in dreams, I used to see myself preaching in stadiums. Oh, I was preaching in stadiums a lot. But <laughs> as I began to mature in God, I knew God had called me, but I realized those my dreams were because of that I love Benin. Are you following this? So my maturity began to... I don't, I don't really see myself preaching in stadiums. I'm not very comfortable... I mean, I, I'm not saying, but I'm not very comfortable with open air. I, I like to teach. I like the atmosphere to be controlled. So, for instance, if you give me the option of preaching, let's say, in a stadium that's not a teaching meeting, just like an evangelistic meeting, or maybe 10,000 people, or you give me an option of teaching a thousand people in a close place, I'll go for the one thousand. But that's where my gift will come out, right? I remember when I went to do some crusades. That was the last crusade I told myself I was going to do, except God helps me, right? 
I mean, in like 30 minutes, I was done with the message, or 25 minutes. You know, because I'm not the type that would say, you know, Jesus loves you. He died for you. No matter what you got. I'm not that. I'm asking, why did Jesus die? What's the Greek word for death? How did Jesus die? You know, that's what is working on my mind. I want people to live there and understand how Jesus died, why he died, what caused his death, what is his death, what's the Greek word for death, what is the cross, how the cross is shaped, what happened in Israel, why was he Golgotha, not Judah. That's, when I read scripture, that's what comes to my mind. I, I, are you hearing what I'm saying? So you realize that certain things are out of your imagination. That's where maturity will help to now separate what is from your spirit and your soul. Right? Okay. So let's go on. A true prophet then is a person who speaks for God, delivering a message that God has ordained him to give. Exodus 7.1. I think I dabbled a bit into dreams there. Exodus 7.1. Let's see how far we can go. Are you learning something this evening? Alright. I know some of you are going to finish this series and now know that you are prophets. <laughs> I'm amazed. This our generation has more prophets than all generations combined. I'm telling you. And you know, by their signs, we shall know them. Huge toils. And carry a prayer mantle from Jerusalem and put a shofar horn when they are preaching. <laughs> Exodus 7 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I make you as a God to Pharaoh. And your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. How did he say Aaron was going to be his prophet? Aaron was going to be what? His mouthpiece. Whatever message Moses had to deliver to Pharaoh, Aaron was going to do what? Speak on behalf of Moses. Let me tell you this. That one word defines prophets. Mouthpiece of God. Speaking the message of God. Not just... Words of knowledge, speaking the message of God. Let me, let me show you something. Come with me to Ephesians 4.11, Amplified Version. Ephesians 4.11, Amplified Version. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Amplified Version. Look at this. And he gave gifts, and his gifts were varied. He himself appointed and gave mentors, some to be apostles, special messengers, some prophets, inspired preachers and expounders. Did you see how the Amplified defined it? Hey, hey, are you there? How did the Amplified Bible define prophets? Inspired word? Preachers and word? Expounders. Why did he say prophets were inspired preachers? Because it was going to bubble forth from them. It's going to be from the inside. They're going to be inspired to give the message of God. Okay. Now, so God tells Moses that Aaron, his brother, would be his, that's Moses' prophet, even as Moses was God's prophet. Because of Moses' unbelief in God's ability to speak through him, God will speak to Moses, who will tell Aaron what to say to Pharaoh. Verse 2, give me verse 2 of that, Exodus 7, verse 2. Exodus 7, 2. So we know that the prophetic office, you shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall speak to Pharaoh that he let the sons of Israel go out of the land. So can you see how the prophetic office worked here? First of all, God was to speak to Moses, praise God. And then what was going to happen? Moses, uh, sorry, God was to speak to Moses, then Moses was to speak to what? Aaron, then Aaron was to speak to who? 
to Pharaoh. Okay, fantastic. So Moses was a prophet of who? God. And Aaron was the prophet of who? Moses. So the message is going to come from God to Moses and from Moses to who? To Aaron. Now, is it possible? Is it possible? So listen carefully before you give me, give me the answer. Is it possible that Aaron can just decide to say something that Moses had not told him to say? No, is it possible? But should he do that? Fantastic. So the fact that you're a prophet does not mean that everything you say is from... Okay, let's just agree. That's why the Bible says we should examine it. In fact, in those days, and I'll read it to you as we go on. In those days, if you gave a prophecy that did not come to pass, they will stone you. You know that if we do it today, a lot of prophets will not be alive. And I, I like, we are so wise in this generation. I like how if we have missed prophecies, we will now release 10 videos explaining why we miss it. See, <laughs> oh God. I, I, I watched one guy. He said, this is who God has given the throne. That The person sat on the throne, then he saw two people. They came to snatch the throne. <laughs> I said, Okay. Why did you not watch the complete film before you told us months ago? You didn't tell us they snatched the throne. You see, maturity in life is to know that when God has not spoken, it is okay to keep silent. I, and I tell pastors I mentor all the time, it's okay to teach the Bible and close the Bible and say the grace and go home. You have not done anything wrong. It's, okay, it's very normal. Before you now say play the keyboard, I'm saying, okay, it's not very clear. Okay, okay, is there a keto here? You know what I'm saying? And all the whole church now will now be struggling to find K. Is there Kevin? Say no. Is there, say, he said, oh, he's not come to church. Hey, 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 but he did not come to church. Where is he? He said, he's in the village. Are we going to now wait until they send transport? Do you understand? Say, I mean, there's nothing wrong with all of that. God moves in those dimensions, but let's normalize sanity in the body of Christ. Are you hearing what I'm saying? <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you here? All right, so. <laughs> uh, some people have been prophesied out of their churches. Hmm? Prophesied out of marriages. Prophesied out of where God has placed them. I remember one time, I was in a meeting, and a guy came to prophesy that God was separating me from my father as as Samuel was weaned from his mother, so is God weaning me from my father. Three months before that, God had told me, follow your father as Joshua followed Moses. So I said, are you getting it? Why will I not get it? It's false. I'm getting it. I didn't bother. I didn't bother to document it or remember it. And I have all the prophetic words that I found authentic, written, I have prophetic words. We don't despise them, but we examine them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why God gave you the Holy Spirit. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. That's your master control. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay. Can we continue with this? Go to Exodus 4, 10 to 16 quickly. Still have a lot of scriptures, but I'm enjoying this, and I'm sure you are too. Exodus chapter 4, verse 10 to 16. 
Then Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently, nor in time past, nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. The Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? You know, there's a way we talk to God like he does not understand. Eh? Have you ever heard some people say, Lord, you will not understand. And God says, it's true. I will not understand. Why are you praying to him if you will not understand? I mean, God said, Moses, God speak. And he says, you know what? I cannot. The reason many people cannot step into divine possibilities of what God is calling them to is they always tell God they cannot. Same thing with Jeremiah. Go prophesy. He says, I'm a youth. God says, don't say you're a youth. Listen to me. When God tells you to do anything, that ability has been given to you to do it. I don't care if that's your personality. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Are you still here? Alright, so uh, now then go verse 11. The Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Hmm? Or who makes him mute or deaf or seen or blind? Is it not I the Lord? Now then go and I, even I, will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to say. But he said, please Lord, now send the message by whomever you will. <laughs> you know sometimes when we read all these people, we, felt, we feel they just obeyed God. Some of them were very reluctant. God had told him, I will be with your mouth. He said, yeah, yeah, but send somebody else. God does. Okay. Then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses. The anger of the Lord burned. Yeah, there's some of you that God is telling you, this is what you should do. You are always, always boastful of your inadequacy. Always carrying the call of God to someone else. Who will do this? I cannot. I can't. You know, I am very shy. You know, when we were growing up, I don't used to stay in front of people. I used to stay behind. Who cares? Did they, did they give birth to us staying in front of people? Is there any child they give birth to that they now put Bible in his hands? I mean, I know some of you listen to all those rubbish they send around that they, they give birth to one child. They open the hand. They wrote Jesus. Those things are lies. <laughs> give birth to one in China. It's never channels. It's always China. You know why? Scripture tells us, know we no man after the flesh. That same Jesus, whom has been crucified, is now Lord and Spirit. Stop paying attention to all those immature things people saying around. Alright? Now go to verse 14. Then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses and he said, Is there not your brother Aaron the Levite? I know that he speaks fluently. And moreover, behold, he's coming out to miss you. When he sees you, his heart will be glad. You have to speak to him. Look at this. Look at this. And put the words where? In his mouth. We are examining the office of a prophet now. He says you have to speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I, even I, will be with your mouth and his mouth. And I will teach you what you are to do. Verse 16. Moreover, he shall speak for you to the people, and he will be as a mouth for you, and you will be as God to him. This just defines the office of a prophet, a mouth of God. And the mouth of God is not only calling out your case, calling out your issues, calling out your troubles. The mouth of God is also expounding the mind of God. Hallelujah. Alright, one more scripture here. Okay, we've read that. Now, a prophet's primary function in the Old Testament was to serve as God's representative or ambassador by communicating God's word to his people. Can I have Acts chapter 7 verse 52? Acts 7 52. A prophet's primary function in the Old Testament was to serve as God's representative or ambassador by communicating God's word to his people. Acts 7 52. Which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? Right? 
They killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one. Whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. So, you see, why did they persecute these prophets? It wasn't because this prophet was speaking about their personal problem. These prophets were talking about the mind of God, the coming of Christ, the redemptive plan of God, the message of God. Was warning them. And because the prophets were warning them, that's why they persecuted them. So the prophet in the Old Testament carried the divine counsel of God or the divine message of God. You shouldn't be, listen to me, and I say this with all boldness of scriptures, you shouldn't be a prophet who cannot teach the mind of God. You cannot be a prophet in today's world, in today's Christianity, and all you do in every service is just to call out whatever the perceived case of people are. No, that's not the prophetic office. Because the prophet office needs to have the mind of God. Need to share the mind of God. What's the mind of God? What's God calling the corporate church into? What's God calling the body of Christ into? That's what prophets are there for. To guide. And God can say, well, it's a season of this. It's a season of that. It's a season of prayer. It's a season. You know, just calling the body of Christ. Okay. Now, true prophets never spoke on their own authority or shared their personal opinions. But rather deliver the message God himself gave them. Several texts makes this explicit. Exodus chapter 4 and verse 12. So you're going to help me with scriptures now so that we can go fast. Exodus 4, 12. Now go, I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. I will teach you what you are to say. So the prophet does not have his own opinion. The prophet cannot just come to service and say, well, you know what guys, can I prophesy? Can I just, no. No, has God told you to do that? Is God putting a word in your mouth? Praise the name of the Lord. Are, are you still here? Come on, I said, are you still here? Yeah. Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 18. Let me have the scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 18. We're saying that true prophets never spoke on their own authority. True prophets never spoke on their own authority. I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you. And I will put my words in his mouth. And he shall speak to them all that are commanded. I want you to understand and uh, understand the emphasis I'm giving you tonight. The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Okay. Go to Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 9. Just give me the scriptures. You can just write them down. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 9. Then the Lord stretched out his hands and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Can you see that again? My words in your mouth. Praise God. My words in your mouth. You know, in, 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 that's why it's important to be rightly mentored. I remember growing up in school and the Lord began to call us into ministry. And uh, I had a friend who obviously had a prophetic, prophetic grace in and gifting. And uh, when we're getting ready for meetings, you know, he would spend more time praying and the rest. But he would come out and teach very well. He teaches very well. But he wasn't teaching with notes. You know, and then we used, to, we used to listen to a particular minister of the gospel who doesn't teach with notes. So we're all aspiring not to teach with notes. Right? <laughs> and one day I was praying, and then the Lord began to clarify to me about how I should teach. 
You know, I struggled with it. I, I struggled. Because here were all my friends. They'll just carry the Bible. Just go. And just read. And just read. And just, re- and just teach. And just teach. You know, it looked like mark of spirituality. Praise God. Uh, why am I saying this? Sometimes the body of Christ can be influenced in a certain direction. Praise God. body of Christ can be influenced in a certain direction. And that's why you must be confident in whatever God is calling you to do. Okay? But after a while, you know, the Lord gave me that liberty and you know, I, grew, I grew in my own confidence in, in, in what... And, and I teach with notes and I read my notes. So you must understand that the prophet speaks as inspired by the Lord. Now, speaking as inspired by the Lord does not mean that the prophet cannot teach. It gives you the message for the moment. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Alright, so let's look at that phrase, the word of the Lord. How did God commission Ezekiel? So we're going to, let's do a few minutes. Ezekiel 2.7. Can I have that please? Ezekiel 2.7. God commissioned Ezekiel by saying, You must speak my words to them. But you shall speak my words to them. Look at this. Whether they listen or not, for they are rebellious. Ah, the children of Israel dealt with God. Oh boy, I'm telling you. Ah, children of Israel. Guys. God called them stiff naked. You know, I was thinking about when the Lord gave me the word, you know, we prayed about this evening. I was thinking about it and the children of Israel came to my mind. You know how those guys cried for God to deliver them? Eh? God, they cried. In fact, by prophetic purpose, their, death, their tribulation was to end 400 years. They spent an extra 30 years crying. Moses came. Hmm? He got to the wilderness. They said, ah, there's only manna there, you know. Manna, 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 manna. That they want garlic and the cucumber of Egypt. <laughs> you know, God cannot even satisfy the human mind. Let me tell you the truth. As we are here, God cannot satisfy us. It's sad, but God cannot satisfy man. Some of us, where we are today is what we prayed about many years ago. We have arrived. We are not yet satisfied. They said, ah, that there is garlic and cucumber. They cannot be eating manna. What is this? You know, the name, what is this? It's not like manna is a very nice name. It is the way they called it. What is this? You know when they bring food to you and you say, what is this? You understand that <laughs> if it's your mother, I will slap you. Hmm? Then they started crying. Then God gave them meat. In fact, God said, this meat you are eating. They, those people showed God. Say, will come out of your nose. will come out of your ear. Hmm? One of my siblings was like that. So did the story before. Every time they are eating, we go for the fish. Every time they are eating, we go for the fish. I was young. My mother beat, beat, beat. Beating was not working. One day, hmm? my mother went to the market and bought this scobia fish, this oily big one. Bought three. And put it and say, come and Started eating. Started eating. okay. Say no. They are not okay. Fish. That was the last day. They should not try that with some of you. You finish that one still. But that's how God deals with them. And then one day something happened. I mean, the children of Israel went, the, um, who is this now? Caleb. And Joshua, they went and they came and said, Ah, oh, God wants to kill us. Is it that there is no grave in Egypt? 
Are you serious? God says, you guys will not enter. Thank God for Jesus. Many of us would have been left. Because we are ungrateful. Sometimes what will make you ungrateful is just seeing someone's post. You are just ungrateful. Eh? Or your friend just sends you a message. You are ungrateful. <laughs> he said they are put the scripture up again. Say they are a rebellious people. Look at it. He says, but you shall speak my words to them. Look at whether they listen or not. God told Jeremiah, He says, I'm sending you to a stiff naked people. You know, Jeremiah was put in jail because he spoke the right things. It is today, put up the scripture. It's today. We, it's today we are seeking acceptance from the world. It's today we want to sing songs that the world will like. We want to preach messages that people will like. That's why truth is scarce. And that's why true prophets need to arise. God said, whether they listen or... Because he knew they would not listen. He knew they would not listen. You know, I read this in our specialized camp meeting. You realize that God warned Solomon, gave them the laws, don't marry people from other uh, nations. Solomon married the wisest man in the world. His wisdom could not overcome love. Married many people from other, and his heart was turned away from the Bible says, and his heart, and they turned the heart of Solomon away from the Lord. That was the one that was praying. Oh God, I don't know how to go out. I don't know how to come in. I'm a small child. He came to women matter now. You are not a small child. God says, don't marry. You had gone in. You are saying, I'm a small child. I don't know how to come in. I don't know how to get Now they turned his heart away from God. With all his wisdom. God's commandments are for your safety. God is not preventing you from enjoying life. He's safeguarding you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Many years ago, a dear minister used to say, these are God's love letters to us. It's because he loves us that he says, do not do this. Glory to the name of the Lord. He says, you shall speak my words to them. So we realize that the word of the Lord was the content of the prophetic office. Okay, so I'm going to say I can. Wrap, put up this scripture if you can quickly. So, even in all the prophets, you see the word of the Lord came to. Hosea 1, 2. So let's go quick, guys. Hosea 1, 2. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Moses, right? Go, take yourself a wife of Halotra. See, the Lord spoke through Hosea. So the word of the Lord came to Hosea. Joel 1, 1. The word of the Lord came to Joel. All right? Micah 1, 1. Joel 1, 1. Micah 1, 1. Zephaniah 1, 1. Jonah 1, 1. The word of the Lord that came to Joel the son of Petrol, all right? Micah 1.1. 1, 1. The word of the Lord which came to Micah, all right? Zephaniah 1.1. 1, 1. The word of the Lord which came to Zephaniah, Jonah 1.1. 1, 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. So you see, if all of those prophets started with what? The word of the Lord that came to them, okay? Amos said, this is what the Lord says. Amos 1.3. Amos 1.3. Thus says the Lord, right? For three transgressions of Damascus and for four I will not revoke its punishment because the transgressions with the implements of sharp iron. Amos is interesting. The guy had some interest. In fact, at the point he said, I'm not the son of a prophet. 
I was just a farmer that the Lord called because the the the, <laughs> the dangerous prophecy this man released over Israel. I'm telling you, go and read Amos. It was interesting. Prophetic ministry was not restricted to men in the Old Testament. I want to, I want to establish this and then we'll close for tonight. Prophetic ministry was not re- restricted to men in the Old Testament. And that's very important. Because there is also, sometimes we relegate women, especially in the offices. Alright? Because we feel it's men, and that debate has been going on, and you know, about some people, if a woman can be this and all cannot be that. And sometimes it's interesting. It's interesting. Right? <laughs> However, Moses sister Miriam is called the prophet Exodus 15:20 and let me say this Exodus 15:20 help me with the scriptures brothers Exodus 15:20 and let me say this if you marry a prophet does not mean you are a prophetess it's not singular and plural it's not Mr and Mrs if you marry a prophet it does not mean you are a prophetess because some people have gotten themselves into offices that God has not called them because they have married people it's very important Sometimes you grow and you develop into that office. And sometimes God is not calling you at all. He just wants you to be a wife. Just go and cook and take care of the children and enjoy life and enjoy church. Or play keyboard or do something. So it's not like the Lord is calling you and then the Lord is making your wife prophetess. No. Miriam the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took the timbrel in her hand and all the women went out with her timbrel and with dancing. So they actually sang the song of the Lord. Okay? Uh, Deborah. Deborah. Deborah fascinates me a lot. She's one lady that really interests me in scriptures. Deborah. Judges 4.4. Deborah is just amazing. We need to teach on her life one day. Now Deborah, a prophetess, her office, the wife of Lapidot, her function as a wife was judging Israel at that time. Just amazing. Just amazing. Alright? So she was a prophetess. Huldah. 2 Kings 20, 22. Let me just say this. 2 Kings 22, 14 to 20. There was a woman called Huldah that was a prophetess. Okay? So we had people who were also groups of prophets or bands of prophets. 1 Samuel 10, 5 and 1 Kings 18, 14. So in the Old Testament we have um, women who stood in the office of a prophet. Then we had groups of people who stood in that office. 1 Samuel 10, 5, 1 Kings 18, 4. And uh, there was also something referred to as the company of the prophets. 2 Kings 2, 3. And 2 Kings 2, 5. And 2 Kings 4, 38. Okay? So this is just to lay a foundation where the prophetic office is concerned. Next Wednesday, we're going to look at Prophets were not sent by the Lord. Functions of prophets in the Old Testament. And then we'll look at New Testament prophets. I hope we can get to prophecy, but let's just see how the difference between the office of a prophet and the gift of prophesying. Amen. Are you blessed tonight? Alright, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We trust that your word will bring life. It will be engraved in our hearts. And Lord, you will cause this truth to rise in the body of Christ. And we will come to a place of maturity and strength in you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Let's, um, let's give our offerings, our tithes, and our offerings. And for those who want to give your tithes in cash on your way into church, by the left-hand side, the information stand, you have the tithe envelope there. You can always. 
Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.